You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Hey, good morning. You know, when I was moving here three years ago, people were teasing me in Cincinnati saying, so you're going to Oklahoma. Do you know what the weather is like in Oklahoma? And so a friend of mine named Betty sent this to me yesterday. I thought I would show you what she sent me. It's kind of interesting. Welcome to Oklahoma. We enjoy the season so much, we cram them all into one week. So, <laughs> Have you seen the forecast for Tuesday? It's going to be like spring on Tuesday. going to be nice. So some of you are saying, I'm not, I'm not thinking spring. I just want summer to get here. You guys have to wait till Saturday. Okay, it won't be here. So uh, if you want a golf tee time, you better call today. What, what's interesting is about 15 guys are getting to text their buddies saying, you want to play Saturday? I heard it's going to be nice, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here, and I'm anxious to share the Word of God with you. And um, so I know it's cold outside, but it's warm here. I have no idea how you're going to get home, but you're here. So since you're here, why don't we just focus together? God's Word will keep us warm, okay? So what if, what if someone said, hey, hey, Pastor Rick, I think that I do, I think that I do the right thing. In fact, I think I do a lot of right things. But what if I do them for the wrong reasons? So wait a minute. You're, you're doing right things. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of things, you know, that I should be doing. I do a lot of right things. But, but what if I find myself doing right things for wrong reasons? And, and today to specifically focus on the reason of, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm going to need a little recognition. I mean, if I'm going to do these good acts, I want some credit for them. I mean, I want people seeing them. And so I'm going to position myself in such a way that as I do these good acts, that people are going to be impressed with me. I think Jesus gives us an order, and I think the order that He gives us is welcoming us to be part of the kingdom of God. And what happens is God does this inner work in our hearts, this transformation. And and by that, we are invited. We become members of the kingdom of God. And out of that inner righteousness that God creates within us flows these acts of righteousness. That's the order. So you may say... Can a person who really, you know, loves the Lord and, and who is a part of the kingdom of God, can they do the right things for the wrong reasons? And I think that's what Jesus is wanting us to focus on this morning. So grab a Bible, if you will, and open it up to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to start with verse 1, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. So here are the words of Jesus, all right? Here's what he says. Be careful. Not to practice acts of righteousness. Now, what, what does he mean when he says acts of righteousness? He's going to give us three examples in a moment. One is giving alms or giving to people who are needy. One is praying and one is fasting. And so there's lots of acts of righteousness that we do or practices or spiritual disciplines we're involved in. Many are like inward disciplines like prayer or fasting or solitude. Some are, are, are outer like giving or serving, things like that. Some we do corporately like worship and confession. 
And so Jesus chooses three to focus on. So these acts of righteousness, these disciplines, these practices that you're involved in. So be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Because if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so here's, here's the first one. You ready? So when you give to the needy, now that's an act of righteousness. Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. In the synagogues or in the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I mean, they have gotten full payment, okay? But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So here's another example. So when you, when you pray, here's another act of righteousness. Do not be like the hypocrites. Well, what do the hypocrites do? Jesus says, well, I'll tell you what they do. They pray, standing in the synagogues or on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. And pray to your heavenly Father who is unseen. Then, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't you know? Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. If you drop down to verse 16, He gives us the third example, another act of righteousness. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head. Wash your face. Get ready the same way you get ready every morning is what he's saying. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. I'm, I'm going to confess to you that before this week, I did not know who Robert McDonald was. So if you would have said, hey, Rick Harvey, do you know who the Secretary of Veterans Affairs is? I would have said, no, I'm, I'm sure that's a really important job and that sounds like a guy who has probably done really well in life and he has probably got a lot on his plate, but I, I don't know who he is. Well, his name is Robert McDonald. And the reason I know his name today is because he's been in the news all week. And so if you would get up in the morning and maybe read the news on your computer, one of the first stories you would have seen for a couple of days was Robert McDonald. He's, he's one of those guys who was called in to clean up a mess. And he did a good job cleaning up the mess. And he was one of those guys who said, I'm going to be on the streets with the people. And so he does. He goes out on the streets and he meets veterans. And you know what else he does? He gives them his cell number. And he says, here, you can call me if you've got a problem. And he says, every day, veterans call me on my cell phone and we try to answer their questions and help them. Our staff goes to work to be a blessing to them. But a couple of months ago, he was out on the street meeting veterans. And this one homeless man said, I'm a veteran. And he says, really? Where did you serve? And he said, special forces. And you know what Robert McDonald said? I served in special forces. What years? And so there was a camera catching all of that and it came on the air. Do you know what the problem is? He never served in special forces. So he releases an apology 
What I said was inaccurate, it was untrue, and I'm sorry. Mr. McDonald, did you know you were lying when you said that? Yes. Why did you say it? I don't know. I want to say, hey, Robert, we're already impressed, man. <laughs> you got a big-time job. And it comes on the heels of Brian Williams, NBC national news anchor, who was suspended for six months. Do you know why? Because he exaggerated and fabricated stories about the time that he spent in Iraq. He just made up stuff. I want to say, Brian Williams, you don't need to impress me. I'm impressed. You're an NBC news anchor. We live in a society where we starve to be seen by others. And so we live in a world where if you're good looking, my dad used to say, sometimes I wish I had been born rich instead of so good looking. We live in a world, if you're good looking, if you have money, if you can perform, if you can produce, people assign a lot of worth, I'm sorry, people assign a lot of worth to you. But if you're deficient in a few of those categories, we're going to make you scramble. Look at me for a moment. Your worth has already been established by God Himself, and He says, You are valuable. You matter. You have worth. So you got these people living in Jesus' day that He's addressing in the Scripture. They're they're Jewish people, good Jewish people. They, they, they believe, you know, if you want to live life well, you want to talk about a life well lived, they would say there's a few practices that you need to have in your life. Do you know what one of the number one practices they would have said, if not the number one practice, would have been almsgiving? Do you know what rabbis said about how important it is that you give to the needy? I mean, it was huge. Another one is praying. You need to be a praying person. If you're going to live life well, you need to be giving alms, you need to be praying, and you need to be fasting. And Jesus says, okay, so, so when you do those things, could I just caution you? Could you just listen to me for a moment? Let me tell you something that I think is really important. Don't ever do those things for the purpose of being seen by men. Don't ever do that. There's a better reason. I feel like every week as we are walking through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes directly to our hearts. Do you feel that? Man, you got it in my heart again. And what He's doing is saying, I want to know why. Why what, Jesus? I want to know what your motive is. My motive for what? I want to know why you do what you do. Why are you doing this stuff? And I think it's a pretty even split. 
Either you're doing it to glorify God or you're doing it to bring glory to yourself. And unfortunately, sometimes even in the follower of Jesus, those motives, we're tempted to let them become mixed. Because at the heart of our problem, the issue of original sin is self-centeredness. It's not about somebody else. It's about me. And so is there a cure for my self-centeredness? And Jesus tells me there is. What he does is he pulls out a word. And I mean, it's a tough word. I hate the word. I don't like the word at all. I think I'm guilty of the word at times. The word is hypocrite. You know what hypocrite means? If you just look it up in an English dictionary, it means a person to uh, pretend to have a virtuous character that they do not really possess. That's, that's a basic standard dictionary meaning of hypocrite. One who pretends to have a virtuous character they really do not possess. So it's me trying to say to someone else or someone else trying to say to someone else, uh, you know, this is who I am when in reality that's not who they are. And so I remember talking about what it is to be a hypocrite and what Jesus said about hypocrites back a couple of years ago. Woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you pretenders. Woe to you phony fake people. And I remember getting in this deal of uh, trying to figure out what people really think of church people. And I remember this one survey where George Barna interviews people who are 16 to 29 who don't go to church. And he asks them, what do you think about people who do go to church? People who are 16 to 29 who don't go to church, what do you think about people who don't go to church? And so there are words that we're going to use to describe these people. Three words bubble to the top. You ever wonder what people who don't go to church think about you who are 16 to 29? Three words. Judgmental. Anti-homosexual. And hypocritical. Man, it broke my heart. I said, are you kidding me? That's what people think about me? It was, it was Gandhi that I mentioned to you in that series who said, I like their Christ. I do not like their Christians. Their Christians are so unlike their Christ. I, I like their Christ. I don't like their Christians. Their Christians are so unlike their Christ. The word hypocrite actually comes from Greek theater. And so here's the idea, that if you're in a play, you might play more than one role. And so you're this character at this point, and then you take a mask that's on a stick, and you hold the mask in front of your face, and you say, I'm now another person. That's where the word comes from. The Greek word hypocrites basically means one who acts or one who pretends. And so Jesus says, when you give to be seen by others... You're a hypocrite. You are pretending to be somebody that you aren't. You're pretending to have this virtuous character when in reality you don't possess that character. And so I always got to just kind of wonder, you know, is there somebody this morning saying, Hey, Rick, I do a lot of right things, man. I do a lot of acts of righteousness, okay? I mean, I'm a giver. I'm a doer. I... 
But, but what's inside of me is not what you think you might find when you look on the outside of me. So what do you, what do, you do? What do you do? What, what, what is Jesus calling us to, right? So you know what I told Kevin Durant the other day? I said, Kevin, I'm going to quit dropping names. That's what I said to him. I looked Kevin Durant right in the eye. I said, Kevin... I'm going to stop dropping names. I think it's weak. I'm not going to do it anymore. Now, yeah, I don't know Kevin Durant. Obviously, I didn't say that. But I think the point is made, right? I, I, I don't want to oversimplify, but I grew up with a little phrase that, uh, that might get us down the road a little ways this morning. And the phrase was, don't toot your own horn. So... Some confessions are easier than others. This one is not an easy one. I gave something not long ago. And I blew a trumpet. I let somebody know. Somebody who loves me anyway, who loves me just like I am. But I let them know I gave this gift in detail. Well, I mean, sometimes we share with close friends, you know, no, no, I, I begin to pray about it this week because as I begin to work through this passage, this is what the Holy Spirit put in front of me. So when you told the person, did you feel a little pride? I did. I wanted them to know God's got a lot of work yet to do in me. But this is what he's talking about. So when you give alms, don't blow the trumpets. Did people really blow trumpets when they gave alms? No, they didn't really blow trumpets. It's a hyperbole. Jesus is making an exaggeration to make a point. When you give alms, don't blow trumpets like the hypocrites. Don't let everybody know about it and stand it on the street corners and in the synagogues when you do it. But what you should do is this. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So it, it looks like this, I think, in real life, okay? So if I'm going to give something to somebody, here's what I do. I say, do you mind? Could I get a little privacy, please? And now I get it, right? See, when I'm going to give something away, it's to this point. Hey, can I get a minute? Okay. Here you go. I want to give this to you. And, and yeah, it's an exaggeration, but it's making a point that, that you don't let anybody know. When you give, you give in secret. You don't give to be seen by people. I, I just want to give. So, I, I think we know this, but let me just remind you that, and, and I don't want to come across like harsh or like I'm comparing, but, and you may say that we're legalistic, but Jewish people tended to pray often. Maybe they were more devout about praying than we are devout about praying. And so they prayed like the first thing in the morning when they woke up and they prayed the last thing they did before they went to sleep and they prayed at 9 and they prayed at noon and they prayed at 3 and they prayed before every meal and they prayed after every meal. I mean, they prayed. And so they would pray standing up and they would pray with their arms outstretched and they would pray with their palms turned up and they would pray with their heads bowed. 
And, and so it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, unlikely that you might be just kind of meandering around a little bit slowly on your way down to this busy intersection street corner where a lot of people are and, and it's almost three o'clock and well, it's almost three. So, okay. Who would have thought I would have ended up on a busy street corner at three o'clock, you know? And there is that Jewish person standing with their head bowed, their arms outstretched, their palms turned upward, and, and they are praying. And Jesus says, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't pray to be seen by people. When you pray, go in your room. Close the door. And pray to your Father who is unseen, and He will see you and hear you pray. So like earlier when Kyle prayed, on, do you remember in the service when he prayed, is Jesus saying he shouldn't have done that? There should be no public prayer? No, no, that's not what Jesus is saying. He is saying, what is the motive of your heart when you pray? Are, are you praying to be seen by people? So I, I know we're in the season of Lent, and, and you may end up, you know, like at a restaurant in the next day or so, and the server may come out and say, you know, can I get you a Coke? And, and you may say, um, no thanks, I gave up Coke for Lent. <laughs> Probably not where Jesus is leading us today, right? Yeah, you don't announce that when you fast. And so there was probably only one fast required, and that was on the Day of Atonement. But there were many devout Jews who would fast twice a week. They would do without food. They would do without water, which was not healthy. They would do without bathing. And I'm, that's what I'm talking about right there. Any kind of pleasure they would do without. And they would not anoint their face, their head with oil as they normally would in the mornings. And Jesus says, no, don't, don't do that. Hypocrites disfigure their faces. They try to make it obvious that they're fasting, but go ahead. Get up. Go ahead and wash your face. Anoint yourself with oil. Get ready like you do every morning. And don't make any difference about yourself that people would assume that you're fasting. Don't fast to be seen by men. I uh, I remember going to this church meeting, like lots of churches. And we have them every year. They're called assemblies. So like 80-some churches come together. This is years ago. This is, I'm not making this stuff up, okay? So when you get there, they, they call your name if you're the pastor. And if your church has done certain things then they bring you up and recognize you and give you a reward. You know what the reward was? A medallion with a ribbon on you, hanging around your neck. I didn't put mine on, but I was tempted to just because I thought it was the goofiest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And then people could say, how's your church going? You could say, duh, I'm wearing a medal, aren't I? I mean, look. That's all the reward you get. That's it. You just surrendered the reward God has for you. So when I think about why we give and why we pray and why we fast and why we do acts of righteousness, it's obviously out of a heart of a love. I do it because I love. That's it, okay? 
I love this person because they're a person who Jesus died for. I love people. I love, I will give, I will serve. I love God, I will pray. I love God, I will fast. I come in my brokenness. I come on behalf of the brokenness of my world. I come mourning, I come fasting. I do out of love and I want to exalt God. I want to glorify God in all that I do. That's why I do it. But there is something about rewards in there. Did you notice that? Reward, I want a reward. What do you want, a toaster? Microwave, car, house? No, I don't think that's where he's going. I think he's talking about this stuff that he does in our hearts. This transformational stuff. Making us like Jesus. Creating inner righteousness within us. And out of that inner righteousness, we continue to do these acts, practices of righteousness. And it's a possibility because Jesus calls us to it. With the coming of the kingdom of God ushered in by the life and ministry of Jesus, I will say this every week, it is accompanied by power to live the life that Jesus calls you to live. Get up in the morning and pray, Jesus, I will live according to the power that is at work within me today, and I will be the person that you've called me to be. Not on my own strength, but what you're doing in my heart. So let me give you a picture of what this looks like, and I will stop. Okay? Could I get an amen on the part about I will stop? You're kind of quiet today. So I heard this lady this week tell a story. She says, here's what happened. Uh, I'm a pastor and uh, on staff at a church, and, and uh, I went to visit a man in prison. And so in visiting this man in prison that was connected to, to our church, uh, I'm sorry, I think that was in jail. I went to visit a man in jail. And so in visiting this man in jail, he communicated to me that he has a friend in jail that he has met. And his friend has a daughter who is without good parental guidance. And he's worried about his daughter. Will you ask that lady pastor who comes to see you if she will go visit my daughter? This is her name and this is the school she attends. So this pastor says... I go to the school, okay, with a name, and I sit down with the guidance counselor and say, here's my situation. And the guidance counselor and the principal meet and decide that we think that it would be good for a pastor to be involved in this young lady's life. And so, yes, we will introduce you to her, but that's all we can do. It's up to her from then on. And so we met, and she was glad to have me become part of her life, and so I was trying to invest my time with her and trying to help watch over her, but she lived a long ways from me. I remember one day she calls me and she says, I just found out that I'm expecting a baby. I'm going to have a baby. And she said my response to her was, I know just the doctor that will take care of you. And I went and got her and I took her to the doctor and I began to invest more in her life and she said, we were able to move her close to us in our community, our neighborhood, which was awesome because we could watch over her better. And that was over five years ago. And now this little boy, I'm kind of like a grandma maybe to him, but he's such a part of our lives. And we're riding in the car the other day together. And because we always talk about talking to Jesus and we always talk about Jesus and we spend time praying to Jesus, he says to me, I want to see Jesus. Where is he? 
And so this little five-year-old mind trying to comprehend, I want to see Jesus. Where in the world is he? And she said, I'm trying to explain to him that Jesus is in our hearts. And Jesus is with us right now, and he's in, he's in this car with us, and he never leaves us, and he's always with us, and he loves people through us. And she said, I can't tell you. I mean, I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a reward, okay? I can't tell you what it meant to me for his little heart to long for Jesus. Do, do you know why I think his little heart's longing for Jesus? Because I think for every year of his life, he has seen Jesus in this individual who drove long distances and spent money and invested and babysat and did everything that you can possibly imagine and gave and gave and prayed for with no intention of ever being praised by men. I think that's what Jesus looks like. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to do in us. (laughs) Kingdom transformation. Making us like Him. So if you do this only to be seen by men, guess what? You're going to get it. That's what you get. You're only going to be seen by men. But if you do this to glorify your Father, He will work powerfully in your life. He will reward you. Amen? Amen. You want to sing, Kyle? Come on, would you? Want to stand with me? So we will sing together before we go. You know, it's, it's hard for me not to say, and if you want to pray, you're always welcome to come and pray. In fact, I urge you to come and pray if you feel a desire to pray. And so it may be that you want to pray about the sermon. God's spoken to you through His Word this morning, and you want to respond to Him. It may be that you're going through a tough time in your life, and you just want to pray for God's help and peace. You can come and pray. If you want to be anointed and prayed for for physical healing, there will be pastors here to anoint you and to pray for you. If you want to become a Christ follower today, if you want to experience this radical born-again experience, this rebirth, this being transformed, becoming a new person in Christ, you can become a Christ follower today. He can change your heart. If you want to come and pray, don't hesitate. It's a great place to come and pray. It's not meaning that you're becoming a member of our church. It just means you found a place to pray. And people will pray with you here. So let's sing. And if you want to come, feel free to come. Christ is my reward. All of my There's nothing in this world that ever satisfied. Through every trial, my soul will see Jesus tonight. I've been set free. Christ, 
As you leave here today, I want you to leave knowing that Christ is everything you need. Everything you need is in Him. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.